turn in your Bibles uh, to, to Psalm 95. Psalm 95 uh, is where we will be today. You know, one of the things I remember hearing about that song um, is that we, through in the garden we get to know the name of God. And his name is Andy, because Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. Um, but but I, I love that song. I almost kind of forgot. I always have to look at the bulletin. I always try to make sure I remember what song I'm going up after. And I got kind of just lost in that one and almost kind of forgot. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to go up there now. So uh, it's good to be with you this morning. I, I'm glad that we were able uh, to be able to come together to worship, that, that the weather came, but we were able to. And thank you to those who, who came and did work and, and were able to get a lot of the parking lot cleared and the pathways so it was safe for us to gather together this morning. So we're in Psalm 95, and we'll get to that in a few moments, because uh, we're starting the second part of our, of our vision series this morning. We talked about the foundation uh, of building our new Bethel, building uh, uh, this, this church to be the church God calls it to be. Uh, so we laid the foundation of the gospel, uh, the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for us. That's a foundational element, the, the, the foundational element of biblical authority, that we can trust God's word, that God's word should be uh, foundational and should be respected and has authority in everything that we do in the church and in our lives, and then submission to God. Not only do we know what God says, but we are willing in our lives and as a church to submit to that and to follow Him wherever He would lead us. So that's the foundation. Like any house that we build, any building we build, the foundation has to be sure. It has to be something that can hold what you build on top of it. But now we have to build on top of that foundation. And so for the, through the next several weeks, we'll be going through some of the things that the church should do uh, and some of the other aspects of the church that are important uh, that we build upon that foundation. And today we look at the idea of worship. What does it mean to worship God? What does it mean to be people who worship God? Uh, because as Christians and as the church, we are definitely called to be people who worship and to be a church who worships God. So we're going to look at Psalm 95, if you would look there, and it'll be on the screen as well. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand, and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. He form, his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. And we are people, we are the people of His pasture, the sheep under His care. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. I swore in anger they will not enter my rest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just praise you today. We, we, we lift you up. We celebrate you. We praise you for all of the things you have done the way that you have saved us, the, the gift you've given us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you for that this morning. We thank you for that. God, I pray that as we look at your word, as we look at what you call us to be, what it means to worship you, I pray that you would help inform our, our understanding of worship, help inform our understanding of you so that we can worship you in a new way. 
that our hearts will be just glad with, with the goodness and the greatness of who you are, that we can worship you in, in a more pure and true way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I think the first question we need to answer as we look at this is, is what is worship? What is worship? And in, in large part, that's what we're going to be answering through the entirety of this sermon, what that looks like, what it is. Uh, but when we think of worship, most often we think of worship through song, right? We come together, and this is our, our worship service, and a major component of that is that we gather together, we sing songs to the Lord, we praise Him. Right? If you, you go and you're, you're worshiping in your car, most often you're, you're listening to music. Right? We think about worship as worship through song. We think of, we think of corporate worship, this idea that we gather together in, in personal worship. But what should worship look like? What does it look like to worship God? When we worship God, we, um, we uh, well, I'll just, I'll share something with you for a moment, uh, just because I, I probably am a little distracted. My, my notes have been a little messed up, but we will move forward with this. We're going to move forward and we're going to be able to, to look at what it means to worship God. In, in the Old Testament, there are several different words, several different ways that we see that people worship God. One of the things we see most often is they bring a sacrifice. Um, one of the, the first acts of worship that is described in the Bible is a sacrifice, an, an offering. Cain and Abel bring a sacrifice before God. And that is their act of worship, their act of, of celebrating who He is. We also see in the Old Testament uh, the, the celebration, the, the, uh, the idea of, of, of kneeling before God, bowing before Him, humbling ourselves before God. And we also see this idea of celebrating who He is, this idea of celebrating who God is and celebrating what He has done, celebrating the good news of what God has done. In the New Testament, we see a, a very similar way, these, these things, this idea of, of lifting up and celebrating who God is in the same way celebrating uh, what he has done by, by humbling him ourselves, humbling ourselves before him, humbling ourselves um, and, and lowering ourselves so that we can follow him in what he calls us to do. But, but when we look at the idea of worship, we can look at this passage that we've looked at, Psalm 95, and we can break down some of what it means to follow him. The first thing we see is the reason that we worship. The reason that we worship. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. The depths of the earth are in His hands, and the mountain peaks are His. The sea is His, He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep under His care. Today, if you hear His voice... Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. What we see in this passage is, for the Lord is a great God. The reason we worship, the reason we worship is because of who God is. God is so great that He deserves and, and He commands our respect. He deserves and He commands our reverence. 
when we follow him, when we, when we seek what he's doing, when, we, when we're seeking to, to look at who he is, we know who he is and we're able to follow him. We're able to see who he is and we're able to, to follow him in, in, in who he is. The mountain picture is God created all that is around him. All that we see, all that we experience in this life, you and I were created by God. We were created by him. We were created for him, to glorify him, to honor him, and to seek him. The depths of the earth are in his hands. The mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship and kneel before the Lord our Maker. There's this idea that, that everything that God has done demands that we, we worship Him. We think about what Jesus has done for us, that, that Jesus died on the cross, that He came and He gave Himself up, He laid Himself down so that we would worship Him, so that we would be able to, to be saved, to be able to be reconciled to Him. And because of this, we should, we should give our lives to Him. We should give our lives to Christ. We should follow Him, and, and the result of that should be worship. This call to worship Him, to follow Him. For He is our God, and we are His people of His pasture. And, and another reason that we celebrate Him, another reason we worship Him, is because He is our shepherd. He is the good shepherd. As Jesus declared Himself, as He lived and He walked in this life, I am the good shepherd. This is something that we see even in the Old Testament. God being the shepherd, the, the one who cares for and leads his people. And he is our shepherd. And so what does it look like to worship? The way that we worship. So we, we know that the reason we worship is, is who God is. We worship God because of who he is and what he has done, the magnificence of his work. There is nothing that we can look around and see. Even the rocks will cry out. As Jesus was, was walking in to, uh, or coming in for the triumphal entry, we, we see that uh, the, the Pharisees rebuke him and they say to tell your disciples to quit worshiping and praising God in the manner they are. He said, even if they were to be silent, the rocks would cry out. Everything declares the goodness of God. I know one of the most uh, amazing experiences that I've had of being able to see the goodness and, and the reason we worship was when I was, uh, a, I graduated from high school, we went on a road trip, and we were in Yosemite uh, National Park, and we went up this, this, uh, this hike, and my friends were a little more adventurous than I was, so they went on to the harder and uh, more difficult and parts of this, this hike, but I kind of went off the trail and, and was able to sit on, the, on this big rock alone. You couldn't really even see the trail anymore, and there's this giant waterfall. And just the awe and the, the majesty of what God has created was just so present. And I was just so aware of who He is and was so reminded of, of the reason that we worship. And that even if we were to be silent, that the rocks crowd, that the whole creation declares the goodness of God. In Romans 1 it says that, that no one is without excuse because the, the, everything in creation declares the invisible qualities of God, His, his power, His, his love. We should worship God. But how do we worship? What, what, what does it look like when we worship? What is the way that we worship? Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter His presence 
with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to Him in song. And then I think also, come let us bow down and worship. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God and we are His people of His pasture, the sheep under His care. When we think of the way that we worship, when we think of worship, like I said, most often we think of this idea of corporate worship coming together. And that is important. And that is a vital aspect that we see in worship. When, da- when David is reflecting, and I think it's Psalm 42, he's reflecting on this idea of, of coming before and he's remembering. It's at a time where he's in sorrow because he's being hunted But he remembers when he led the processions and was shouting joyfully to the house of the Lord, this gathering, this assembly of people, right? This idea that we come together as believers to worship God. It is essential in the life of believers to come together with other believers and celebrate who God is. The nature of who God is demands it that we would gather together and celebrate, but it is good for our souls to gather together and worship God together. You know, I think we've come out of the most isolated two years, or we are still coming out of in many ways, the most isolated two years, maybe in in human history, of, of people not being able to gather together in the ways they had before. And we've seen the effects of this. There are many people who have, the, the, the rise of struggles with mental health and anxiety and depression has risen because of, no doubt, anxiety over the, the, the pandemic and the virus, but people need one another. God created people for relationship. When God created Adam, the first thing he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve to be with him for, for relationship. We, we long relationships, family relationships. We, we love to get together with our families. We, we long for friendships to have people we can trust and rely on. I don't think this is accidental. I think God created us this way to gather together, to be together, to help one another. But not just that, but to worship together. There is something about gathering together with people who are like-minded and celebrating God. I'm sure you can think in your life of many encounters, many opportunities that you've had where you've gathered with others and you've celebrated God and you walked away refreshed and encouraged because of the, the collective corporate worship. Right? We were going to get to in a moment the idea of private and personal worship, but it is important and it is imperative for believers to gather corporately to worship God. There is, there's an aspect of, of growing in faith and growing in our, our love for God and in obedience to God, submission to Him as we've talked about, that we should gather together. And those who would would say, well, I I worship on my own, I worship in other ways, I think they're missing a big part of what it means to worship God, to understand the the idea that coming together and and working with one another, loving one another, celebrating who God is and what He has done together is a major aspect of what it means to worship God. And what that worship looks like should be celebratory. Celebratory. It should be bound up and it should be uh, so, so explosive and, and, and thankful and excited because of what God has done. I want you to think of the things that you've been involved with that people gravitate together and celebrate with one another. There are so many of these things that we can see in, in the human experience where people gather together 
and they are behind a common cause and they celebrate with one another. We are wired to worship, and in many ways we play worship with things that aren't the ultimate thing that should be worshipped. So, so next week, two different teams will be gathering together for the Super Bowl. Think about that every week. It's almost a religious experience of sorts, right? Thousands of fans gather together to, to fill a stadium, to cheer and to celebrate. And, and they fill homes and they come together to, to celebrate. Because people were created to do that. They were created to come together and to celebrate. But who and what were they created to celebrate? It is God. And so we should really look at our hearts and, and look at what we're doing if, if there are other things that increase our affection and increase our, our celebration rather than God. Are there things in our lives that we get more excited about, that we're more thankful for, more joyful about than following God? God and celebrating Him for who He is. But then we do get to this idea of, of private worship or, or personal worship. In, in Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we see what it means, and maybe a shifting of our mindset, because worshiping God is following Him, worshiping, him, worshiping God is worshiping Him in song, but it's more than just that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So not only do we celebrate and we come together, but everything that we do in our lives should be motivated by worshiping God. Our lives should be a living sacrifice. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So we come together, we gather, and we worship, but in our regular daily lives, everything we do should be in thankfulness and celebration of who God is. Everything that we do in our lives, when we go to work, when we're in our relationships with our family and our friends, the, the way we live our life should glorify and honor God. And that should be the test by which we examine our lives. Is my life one that declares the goodness and the greatness of who God is? Is my life a life of worship? Am I thankful for what God has done for me? Am I pouring my life out in service to Him, in obedience to Him, or am I living for something else? Am I following and chasing the things of the world, or am I following and faithfully serving God? I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So as we go in our lives, we, we, should be, we should be thankful, we should be obedient, and everything that we do should be in submission to God and to who He is. But at the end of this passage in, in Psalm 95, we see a warning. And if you look at the, the psalm, the, the, the idea and the, the preface of it is a worship and a warning. That's the, the title that was given to this psalm. Do not harden your hearts as, as, as at Meribah, as, at, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people 
whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. You see, worship is not simply about what we do. It's not simply about the things we do or the the way we do things. It is about our hearts. It is the, the heart of who we are and the heart of what we're doing. You may have heard the song, The, the, the Heart of Worship, and I, I do believe we've sang that together in worship. But the story behind that is, is that Matt Redmond was with his, with his church that he was leading in, in England, and, and the pastor took a time where he said, we're going to strip away everything that we do. They were a very contemporary church, had all, a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of production value in what they did. So we're going to strip that all away and just simply worship with our, with our voices for a while and to simply praise God for who He is. Because if we didn't have these things, is it enough? If we didn't have the, the, the guitars and, and all of the, the fancy things that, that create the environment we're used to, is God enough? And it was from that experience that he wrote this idea, of, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it when it's all about you. When we worship God, we must examine our hearts, examine where we are before God. Are we seeking to truly worship Him? Or are we going through motions? Are we, are we singing words? Or are we praising God for the goodness of who He is? Are we doing our, our daily quiet time and our prayer? Or are we just to check a, an item off a list? Or are we doing it because we want to worship God? Are we seeking to be people with Christian character because we think we have to or because we, we know that it glorifies and honors God and who He is. Everything we do should glorify and honor God. And it's about the heart of the issue. Earlier we mentioned the first example of worship was the sacrifice that was brought, this, this offering that was brought by Cain and by Abel. What was the issue there? What was the issue where... where Cain's sacrifice was not regarded, but, but Abel's was. Why was there regard for one and not the other? It's not abundantly clear what exactly Cain did wrong, but it's clear his heart was not in the right place. God indicated to him, you, if you know what to do. If you do the right thing, you also will have favor. Cain's heart was not in it. He brought his offering out of, out of reluctance, that the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, right? When we, we bring our tithes and our offerings, that's also a form of worship. But it's not out of obligation. It's not out of just doing things to do them the way we've always done them, but it's because we know that we're already giving God what is His. It's submitting to Him. And that is where we see this idea, these, these two things we saw most often pictured as what worship is, the kneeling before God, in the celebration of who He is. I want you to understand that this is a, a picture and, a, and an enactment of the difference between us and God. It is putting us in our rightful place and putting God in His rightful place. When we kneel before God, we are lowering ourselves. We are humbling ourselves because who are we, right? Who are we that, that God would be mindful of us? The Bible says that, that God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Who is man that you are mindful of Him? But, but He is. And He loves you. 
And Jesus died for you so that you could be saved. And, and the result of that is worship. A redeemed heart will worship God. We will be able to worship Him and to, to honor Him and to follow Him. So we humble ourselves. We, we kneel before Him. I don't know if you've ever done that, where you've actually intentionally kneeled to pray or kneeled to worship God. And there, there's something about it where we, we understand and we, we lower ourselves before one who is worthy. But at the same time that we lower ourselves, we magnify and lift up, we celebrate who God is. And in doing so, we are, are revealing the true reality of who man and God are. We are low and in need of Him, and He is great and far above us. We're too often in, in our lives and, and in the lives of people, they, they don't understand this, this great divide that exists between them and God. They think that, that God is as though we are on the same level as Him, but we are not. And so in true worship, where we have a gr- correct understanding in our hearts of who He is, we lower ourselves and we raise Him up. Worship is, is the responsibility and the, it should be the reaction of every believer. I want, I want to share a, a quote with you. It's, it's uh, by, by A.W. Tozer. If we can, This is what he said about worship. I can safely say, on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. What well, the Bible is clear about in, the, in eternal life and in heaven with God. There's a lot of things that we have questions about, a lot of things that we don't know exactly what it will be like. And, and I, I would venture to say we can't bear it. We can't bear how glorious and magnificent it will be to be in eternity with God forever at this moment in time. But what we do know is that we will be worshiping Him. And that right now in the throne room of God, there is worship going on day and night for God. And so if we as people today who have been saved because of what Jesus has done struggle to worship, that is something we need to work on our hearts with. Because people who have been saved and redeemed by God, the only response is to worship. It should be as natural as when your favorite team or your favorite whatever it is scores and you celebrate instantly. That is the reaction that we should have to understanding and seeing the goodness of what God has done. How sad is it that at times seeing things like, like salvations, you know how many times I've seen where salvations have occurred and it's, it's a very mild reaction. It's very, it's very, you know, it's, it's very muted and, and very reserved. That's someone who is converted from death to life. We should be celebrating who God is. And it starts with our hearts. And that's my question for you this morning is where is your heart? As we're entering this time of invitation, where is your heart before God? Where is your heart before God in worship? Are you going through motions? Have you been saved but you go through motions? You just do what you think you're supposed to do? Or do you genuinely approach God with thankfulness, humbling yourselves and celebrating who He is, celebrating what He has done? Or maybe this morning you, you don't know Him. You've never had a, a relationship with Him. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Because if you haven't, you will never fully be able to understand what it means to worship God. Because you can only truly worship God with a heart that has been redeemed by Him. 
and it is, th- it is coming from a place of thankfulness for what He has done in your life. But remember, the way we, we worship God is through all that we do. What, what else in your life may you need to do to worship Him? Maybe it's being more faithful to, to the group of believers you're in, and being more faithful and regular in your attendance, joining the church. Maybe, it's, maybe you have made that decision to follow, but you've never followed up in baptism. What is, your, what is the way that you can worship God today? And as we have this time, as we are singing, don't think of it as just a time for people who don't know Christ to respond. Where is your heart? What do you need to do to worship God more fully today? Do you need to lower yourself to, to bow down, maybe even physically, and worship Him, to thank Him for what He's done? Do you need to sing loudly and, and to magnify Him for how great He is? Wherever you are this morning, wherever your heart is this morning, how can you worship God more fully today? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us, this day we can come together, Lord, and I pray that nothing would get in the way of you being worshipped. That no, that no scheme of the devil, no insecurity we may have, no anything, nothing that could hold us back would hold us back from worshiping you and giving you the praise and the honor and the the glory that you deserve. Because, because God, you are good and you are the, the only one deserving of praise and honor and glory, and it is all yours and you will not share it. And God, I pray that you would help us to be aligned with you, for our hearts to just be so in love with you and so so amazed and in awe at who you are that we would fall down and worship before you and celebrate you. Because, God, you are good. And, Father, I pray that for any who do not know you this morning, that they would turn to you today, that they would surrender their lives, and as their first act of worship, that they would give themselves, surrender to you, and live a life surrendered to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.